Reading from Ephesians 2, and we'll be reading the whole chapter. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had, had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinance, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are building, built it together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. You may be seated. I have a question for you. Why are you here today? You can think about that a little bit. A good answer. Am I here today? And on your faith. And I'll probably there are a few before those verses and after those verses that have caught my attention and might say have fascinated me for a long time. And one of those particularly 
is in verse 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. And that idea that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, I find interesting. I think the message last Sunday and the reminder this morning in the devotions uh, was geared to have us be awed at coming into the presence of God. And my goal today would be to have us be awed at the provision that God has made for us. I don't uh, mean to be overly simplistic and to... And I recognize that we are here in human bodies and we're fallible and, and all that. But I come back to this phrase that God has given us what we need for life and for godliness. I believe God has given us what we need to be victorious in our Christian lives. Follow after as I read verses 1 to 4 here. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Life. I believe God is the creator of life, both physical and spiritual. God gives life. He is the author and the sustainer of, of life. And I think of God as the creator. But... And, you know, there's a lot we could say about God being the creator of physical life. But I want to think more this morning about the spiritual life that God gives us. John 10. Verses 10 and 11. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. 
Jesus said, I came that you might have abundant life. And what is abundant life? What is abundant life? You want to respond? I'd welcome that. Overflowing. More than you need. More than average. Jesus said, I came that you might have abundant life. Isn't that wonderful? I think of Psalm 1, comparing the godly man to a tree. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I believe that's a picture of abundant life. I think of a few verses from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. In John 17, verse 3, Jesus said, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Revelation 21.6 says, And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I give unto him that is a thirst of life. Old man, twenty-two to concerning corrupt the in the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. New life, new man, life in Christ. Revelation also talks about the opposite. Here's a verse from Revelation twenty, verse fifteen. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Our text talks about life and godliness. As we look at Paul's epistles, many of them the first half, more or less, of the epistle talks about life and 
spiritual life and how God has given us that. And then many of the epistles in the last part talk about how that's lived out in everyday life. God has given to us what we need for life and godliness. Life and godliness. I already referred here to Ephesians 4. If you have your Bibles open there, we'll look at it just a little bit. You know, Ephesians 4 talks about putting on the new man. And then the verses that follow talk about godliness. It says, putting away lying, speak truth, be angry and sin not, don't give place to the devil, don't steal anymore, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. And that classic verse, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. God has given us what we need for life and godliness. James 2.26 says that the body without the spirit is dead. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So Peter says that God has given us what we need for life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that hath called you to glory and virtue. I like to think about that word knowledge a little bit. Verse 2 talks about grace and peace coming through the knowledge of God. Verse 5 we are to add knowledge to our virtue. Verse 8, again, talks about the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's knowledge. This seems to give value to a good teaching program in our homes in the church, in the school, that there be knowledge of God. This also validates all and any time spent reading and studying God's Word. It gives purpose to what we're doing right now, at least if we're awake. Notice that we're talking about knowledge of God. When it comes to knowledge and knowing, 
I find it interesting to think about the Spanish concepts. In Spanish, there are two words that mean to know. And one is to know a fact. And the other one is to be acquainted with, to have met someone, to be acquainted with the person. And I find it interesting that Scripture uses that word in relation to knowledge of God, to have met Him, to be acquainted with Him. I think it's good for us to know facts about God, but it's better to know Him personally, to have met Him. And I think that comes back to what was said last Sunday and what was referred to or what was said here in our devotions this morning. Knowing God, being in awe of Him. And I think that is an important part of having what we need for life and godliness. Maybe we could say it's the basic part of having what we need for life and godliness. It also says, the knowledge of him who hath called us. Want to think about that idea of God calling us. Reminds me of the verses in Matthew, Matthew 11. 28 to 30, where Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my behold, God is like be troubled. And my fathers have told you and prepared myself that Jesus inviting us, Jesus calling us. And then he says in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I think of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He wants to take care of us. He's inviting us. He's called us to glory and and virtue. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Thinking about the idea that God has called us to glory and virtue. The introductory verses talk about what we used to be. Then verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Verse 5, he quickened us, he gave us life. And that's what we're thinking about this morning. He's given us life. He's given us what we need. 
for life and godliness. Verse 6 mentions that he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Verse 8 says that by grace ye are saved. Verse 10 talks about our being created in Christ Jesus. Verse 13, we're made nigh, we're brought close to God by the blood of Christ. And then the last verses talk about how we're one in Christ, made one by His Spirit. He has called us to glory and virtue. James says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. He also says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. We're thinking about God calling us to glory and virtue. Romans chapter 6 talks about being baptized with Christ into his death. Being buried with him. That we should also walk with him in newness of life. We're called to glory and virtue, walking in newness of life. It talks about not serving sin in verse 6. Verse 7 mentions that we're freed from sin. We're dead with Christ. We'll live with him. There would be a lot more in that chapter we could think about in relation to God giving us what we need for life and godliness. I believe that a, not sure how I can say this best, but I'll say it this way. I believe that one of the basic things God wants to do is to give us life. To give us life and godliness. I think of creation and the story of creation. And it seems to me that God wants that fellowship that we can have with him as we avail ourselves of the life he gives. Verse 4 in our text chapter here in 2 Peter talks about our, our having exceeding great and precious promises. A very familiar verse, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him, great and precious promises. Just one other example. I'll read a few verses from Isaiah 43. 
But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Sebia for thee. Great and precious promises. And it goes on to say that ye might be partakers of that divine nature. Have you ever thought about the idea that you are, you have the privilege of having divine nature? It says we are partakers of that divine nature. What is the divine nature? I think of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Ephesians talks about the fruit of the Spirit being goodness and righteousness and truth. Things actually partake. But here are present. He is eternal. He is a consuming. He is sovereign. He might be partakers of the divine nature. I'd like to read verses 5 to 11 here in Second Peter chapter 1. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off. And hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence and make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And right there we have exceeding great and precious promises. We have all we need in the Bible. But it's not a once and done thing. If the Lord tarries, I trust many of you will be here again next Sunday and the next it's not we have what we need now and we go the rest of our life without uh, any more input. No, no. It's kind of like my experience last weekend. Saturday afternoon I spent a number of hours out in the sun working and so on. And... Saturday night, 
Soon after I went to bed, I woke up and I had cramps. So I got up the best I could and went and got a drink. And it went away. About two hours later, same thing happened. And this went on all night. Now, it may have worked to drink a whole quart of water before I went to bed, but probably not. And that's how it is with our spiritual life, with needing the Word of God. It's a constant thing. We need it time and time again. We need it collectively like this. We need it personally. We need to read it. We need to come to God with that attitude we heard about this morning and converse with him, that attitude of awe. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. John 6.63 says, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. God has given us what we need for life and godliness. His word is life. Here's a verse from the Old Testament that I find interesting. Deuteronomy 8.3 And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. By every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is talking about the law and making some applications for us today, for the Corinthians then, for us today. And it's talking about how Moses put a veil over his face and how that for some people in that day, and I assume in our day too, when the law or the Bible is read, there's a veil. But then look what it says in verse 18 of chapter 3. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the law, Spirit of the Lord, sorry,
You've probably heard this, that, you know, after a couple is married for a number of years, 10, 20, or 30, or maybe even 50, you know, they begin to act like each other. And some people say they even begin to look like each other. I think this is the kind of thing that Paul is talking about in this verse, 18. It says, when we look at God, we become like him. That we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, we don't see it clearly today, and we're God come life, a few verses, light to light of the Christ, and not of verses 6. But though our outward man perish, that yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who hath called us to glory and virtue. What a privilege to have what we need for life and godliness. Kneel with me for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you in humility and to honor and to praise you, to thank you for giving us what we need for life and for godliness. We thank you for your spirit that indwells, that guides. And I pray that you would help us to Daily, open your word, see you in your word, and become more like you. Thank you for this congregation, and we pray your special blessing for each one today and throughout the coming week. May each of us honor you by seeking you daily. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.